Welcome back to Trying to Figure It Out. My name is Allie, and this week on Trying to Figure It Out, we have Summer House star Jordan Emanuel. Welcome to Trying to Figure It Out, Jordan. Thank you for having me. I'm excited that you're here. Me too. Congrats on the first season of Summer House Martha's Vineyard. How does it feel? I mean, I've kind of had a moment to take a a beat and take it all in. (laughs) And there is a stark difference between when you're living in the airing moment and kind of the dust settling. I can't imagine. I'm enjoying the dust settling. I'm not (laughs) battling people in my comments right now. So that's always good. But yeah, I can't complain. Yeah, for sure. So how can you share with me like how you got on the show and what the decision process was like for you? Yeah, so... Uh, one of my friends is actually one of the casting directors that does some of does shows everywhere and I had gone to Martha's Vineyard in 2021 with a bunch of my friends I posted those pictures on Instagram and my casting director friend was like what's going on here like what's this little vibe and that's how it started he was like who is everybody and I just sent their information and next thing I knew they were like okay so we're filming that's so crazy I so know, right? to intro you a little more before we dive into everything mm-hmm. else aside from summer house Martha's Vineyard you are a very accomplished businesswoman after triple majoring at the University of Miami you have also gone on to model and DJ for huge companies which is amazing and you are also the co-founder of women with voices which is a nonprofit focused on mental health and sexual education and liberation yeah. so I'm very excited to get into all of that with you you are doing so many amazing things and so many different things I'm sure it's hard to keep up sometimes very much but you talked a little bit about how the dust is settling what did it feel like when you were actually like out there filming and you said it was two and a half weeks that you were out there what was that experience like so to me the filming is the easiest and the hardest part Mm -hmm. because it's hard not to be conscious when you're doing something for the first time in general let alone when there's cameras there let alone when there's drinks flowing and you know (laughs) you 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 have your friends there which you know i live alone normally so being from by myself in my new york apartment to two and a half what with 12 people it's crazy (laughs) um so it can get intense it can be really fun it can be like a sleepover it's just a lot of emotions in a short period of time all being watched so sometimes there's moments when you're in your head like you're like oh shoot i forgot i'm not by myself like am i being weird i don't know what's going on (laughs) and then you have the watch back which is Oh, weird. So does that happen before it comes out? We get it a few days before. So you kind of get it, but you're like, but it's still like, that's it. it. We don't have any control (laughs) over, you know, what's what makes it. And it is really weird to get text messages from family you haven't seen in a long time, friends or people you went to high school with being like, oh, my God, I did. And like jump in the conversation. It's like, ma'am, you were not there. Why? This is weird for you to know about conversations I've had. That part was so strange. That's an adjustment for sure. Yeah. You're putting your life in like a very like a very specific small bubble of your life yes. too. Like it's like a two week vacation exactly. that's being exposed for people's entertainment. So it's not like everyone's knowing everything about you. They're that witnessing two weeks of you on vacation. Yep. Like it's a very different, like who is Jordan at like Summer House and who is Jordan all together. Like yeah. they're totally different vibes. So 
What do you feel like you were hoping to get out of the show? You know, I don't anything? know that I went in with a hope. I think I just, I'm always open-minded and I'm like, I'll try anything once. And I wanted to see what the experience would be like. I've always been a Bravo fan. Andy Cohen came to my college once and we took a picture and I showed him when I went on Watch What Happens Live. That's amazing. And it's just like little things like that, that I just was like, let me see what happens. What's mm -hmm. the worst that could happen? And yeah ultimately it became a growing experience um and it definitely highlighted some things that i'm like okay i could improve there or i could do this better or maybe my friendships aren't what i thought they were so that was an interesting thing too ultimately it was just a learning yeah, thing for sure yeah how much do you feel was produced versus reality I mean, we were really having those conversations. We were really <laughs> doing those things. But of course, it's like you, we have a job. So sometimes conversations might be more talked about um, because they, you know, we want to drive a point. That makes whereas sense. maybe we would have dropped something beforehand. You know what I mean? Or maybe we're only getting clips of the information and we're like, wait, what? Yeah. But those are our real reactions. Those are our real conversations and those are our real relationships. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Do you feel like it's different than other Bravo shows in the sense that like the other Bravo shows have been on for longer and have more experience. And at this point, like a lot of people are trying to have a little bit more privacy. So do you feel like yours is your experience was more real because it's more fresh and new and it's a little bit easier to make it less produced and more natural? I don't know if it's more natural, but it's harder to be inauthentic when you're in a house for two weeks, you don't have breaks. You know, at most of the other shows, you go home at night or you go home during the week, you have certain days that you're filming, so you get a break, you kind of get a breather. You can think about things in a different way. You can decide, okay, maybe I'll approach this this way. With a show like ours, we don't have that type of time. Totally. It is what it is. After a certain point, 100%. all of all bets are off. Yeah. To me, I just go in being myself. That's all I can really do. And whatever Which happens, is amazing. happens. And the way it should be. Because I feel like for the people out there who do love Bravo, like the best part about knowing that you're committing your time to it is knowing that you're watching like real, real people. authentic stuff. Yeah. And I think there's just like an overall yearning of people to watch what's happening in these people's Absolutely. lives. Like people love to watch like reality that isn't theirs. But I feel like there are times where you do see yourself in certain scenarios or you're dealing with certain things. And with us, we're in our early thirties, late twenties, whatever. Yeah. And we're at a very transitional time in our lives where yeah. I think people are seeing friendships change. People are getting married. People mm -hmm. are having babies. So it is a different time. 100%. That I think makes it relatable. Summer House Martha's Vineyard mm -hmm. features an all black cast. Can you explain the significance of that in terms of the history of Martha's Vineyard? Yeah, I, I had no idea how much black history was in Martha's Vineyard until I went for the first time. And so I could only imagine how little people knew as a whole right. that Martha's Vineyard was a safe haven for black people back in the day when things yeah. were segregated and not so open. And so it's been really a privilege to highlight some of that right? Um, and show how much history is there and show yeah. how much we're living in our black excellence and yeah. there's almost like a black Hamptons. Yeah. People had no idea. And so I think 100%. it's been really fun to, to display that and show a little bit about our culture mm -hmm. and not in the sense of, you know, I feel like a lot of black television is rooted in dramatics and 
being extra or even mean and shady and there's we have those moments don't get it wrong <laughs> but it's to me different and it's nice to be able to display a different part of our community 100 percent. yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and for my listeners who don't know martha's vineyard was one of the first beach destinations destinations where African-Americans could vacation and purchase property. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about the historical significance, that's what we're referring to. When you reflect on the show, what are some of your best memories that you have so far? I'd say the friendships that I did build and that have grown so much, that was amazing. Just having like that big slumber party with everybody and just being stupid and laughing and just enjoying each other's company, I think is definitely my favorite part. Yeah. So earlier on, you touched on, you know, drinking on the show. And I think that that's like a kind of common topic on a lot of these reality shows, especially the more recently trending ones like Love is Blind and the Netflix Mm. shows. Like there's been a lot of stuff that's come out recently about how the cast members are kind of like forced to drink and be somewhat sloppy because that's what the producers want. It gets more quality television out. It gets more personality out. And, you know, people just have better conversations, I guess, when they're a little bit looser. Yeah. So do you feel like your experience on the show was like producers trying to get you guys to drink all the time? Or was it like more authentic to like what you were doing in a day and when it was appropriate to drink, you would drink? Well, what's interesting is on our cast, we have someone who doesn't drink. So that wasn't really ever an option. Now, do we get told turn up and have absolutely. And it's up to us to decide, Okay, does that mean I'm going to (laughs) partake in this drink that's sitting in front of me? Probably. Um, But we are at our own free will. And I've never felt pressured to drink um, from from production. No. Yeah. So you are someone who is an advocate for mental health. How would you say your mental health was impacted while the show was airing during the show taping? And now that it's not on air, how do you feel like your mental health has been? So during it was up and down there were moments where i was just like i don't want to be doing this i don't this is not necessarily how i would be indulging in this conversation or there there were there were certain things where it's like ugh, i don't want to talk to her if i don't have to you know ultimately i was just like okay i'm just gonna go with the flow and do whatever it is to do but i'm not gonna do anything that makes me uncomfortable but there is an anxiety of the unknown you don't know how things are going to be cut you don't know what people are saying when you're not in the room you don't know what people are saying in green screen and so there is an anxiety of like unawareness that happens and you know, there were moments where I was drinking a lot that my emotions spilled over in a way that maybe they wouldn't have if I wasn't drinking. Um, and then afterwards, it's like, now you're dealing, you, you've healed things, you've had these conversations, and then nine months later, a year later, everyone else is seeing, and they're only seeing, there's only so much that can make it to air. We're there for two weeks. The show is 45 minutes, do the math. You can't physically put everything all. in, and so, that's tough because people are commenting and not understanding why you're reacting a certain way or why someone said something a certain yeah, way. There's and so it's much like, nuance. there's other stuff. So that's a lot. Of, and then combating people who have different opinions. People are mean. People are really mean. And it's, it's, it's the internet tough. Is mean. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough. My favorite comeback to say to people is, well, show me how it's done then. Like, you do it. Yeah. 
you don't want to do it or you can't either way it's like we're just humans doing the best we can and at some point we got to give each other grace you can disagree but do it with kindness you know couldn't agree more it's true like how else would what would you have done if you were on this show what do you think of how you were portrayed on the show and do you feel like comfortable happy with it and like proud of it or do you feel like there's anything you would have changed i mean that was me that was definitely me i think there are some things that seemed bigger like some reactions that seemed bigger but Mm -hmm. that's because again you can't put in everything so you don't even know some conversations aren't even put in the right order or certain things aren't put in the right order and so that's a little frustrating but it's also like i mean there's only so much they can do yeah Yeah. 100 so i mean it was fine like the more you do it you know the more it comes out the more people get to see who you are and get to know you better totally totally real opinions at least absolutely and i'm (laughs) hoping we get more time this next season so you can kind of grow with us a little more there's 12 yeah. of us so it's it's hard to get to know everybody's personality when you have so many stories to tell you leave in the next week to yeah. go film season two mm-hmm. are you excited i don't know <laughs> i'm just kind of like let's see what's going on mm-hmm. yeah how much do you like talk to or hang out with the cast when you're not um i mean i pretty much talk to the majority pretty frequently there are some people that i don't really talk to at all i definitely have like my core people that i talk to damn near every day yeah but yeah i I think we're all pretty much in communication in one way or the other yeah whether it's because you want to be or right (laughs) (laughs) that's fair okay well i want to talk a little bit about your nonprofit because i think it's really important i think what you're doing is amazing so your nonprofit women with voices focuses on mental health awareness i want to know what inspired you to start that and if you're willing to share a little bit about your own experience with your mental health yeah absolutely um we do women's empowerment um over the entire board my specific focus just happens to be mental health because it's something that i've struggled with for as long as i can remember um i started seeing a therapist when i was 13 and i remember i had asked my mom i was like i think i need to see someone she's like did you see this on tv and it was (laughs) like no like i'm having feelings that feel that felt heavier than a 13 year old did and it was so funny because in my well it wasn't funny but it's ironic that in my first session we were talking about my mom and that was actually when I realized that she had a drinking problem and that's how she passed away actually and so that was the start um, of my awareness of what it was that I was dealing with and you know as I went into high school I went to boarding school it's predominantly white Um, you know, that had its own set of challenges and then losing my mom and then I lost my grandfather and then it just started this domino effect that changed me. For sure. And I definitely looked at the nonprofit as an opportunity to help other people that, you know, we're never, I don't know that it's something to be solved, but there are coping mechanisms and I just wanted to be more, proactive about helping people find those totally do you feel like going to therapy at a young age prepared you more for the loss of your mother and to cope with that and to cope with you know all the things that come with grief at a how old were you 17 okay so at 17 that's still pretty young to be dealing with that level of grief for sure definitely I think 
Had I not been seeing a therapist for what was four years at that point, I don't think I would have had the tools. I don't know that I dealt with it that well, but yeah. I mean, I went on to graduate high school and go mm-hmm. into college and do what I was supposed to do. Do you feel like you kind of saw it coming? Did you set boundaries between you and your mom at the time when things started to get bad? Do you feel like you had some sort of preparedness? I thought we had more time. And I, as a 17 year old, you think you have you know the whole world ahead of you, you're supposed to. And I consciously remember saying to myself like, when I'm 25 and like I'm out of the house and I'm older and I'm more independent, I know yeah. we're gonna be really close and like we're gonna be able to have these diff- conversations differently. And yeah. we just never got that time. And so I didn't see it coming. However, when she started to really go downhill, I think I knew it then. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know what it was I was feeling. Right. And then around three weeks before, I was in English class and someone's father had passed away. And I remember I emailed my dad and I was like, I feel like mommy's next. And three weeks later, she was gone. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm so sorry. And thank, thank you. you for sharing that. I yeah. mean, that's a daughter's intuition is just so real. How do you feel like your relationship is with your dad? And was it always good before your mom passed? And do you feel like you're closer with him now? Well, my dad and I were very, very close always. Uh, it actually wasn't until my mom passed that we had a really rough <sighs> 10 years. I mean, even in yeah. that, we were so close and we are very close now. But when he had to become both parents and it was at such a pivotal time, I'm right. applying for colleges. I'm, you know, dating for the first time the and first. it's all the things I'm going to prom and she's not really here. Um, and then his dad, who was my favorite person on the planet, died five months later and then his best friend died six months after that so he was having his own so spiral grief yeah and i was having my own spiral and it was like we lost the same person but it wasn't the same person he lost his wife his partner and his best friend and i lost my mom yeah. and so we're grieving the same physical being but it's completely different totally experiences different yeah. yeah and so yeah that we went through it. I can only imagine. Yeah. And there's just certain things where, you know, as good of a dad as any dad could be, you just want your mom. Like, like yeah. you want to get your nails done for prom or God bless you them. want certain things like that. Like, yeah. My dad has painted my nails before because there were times <laughs> where I wasn't communicating with my mom at yeah. all. And my dad, he takes me shopping for things and he knows more about women's clothing than any dad knows. Yeah. <laughs> like he just my knows dad all knows his rising moon and sun. Yeah. So <laughs> I can totally We've had those totally moments. Relate. Like my dad gives me facials and I'll give him a facial. Aww. And like during COVID that was like a big thing that we would do together. Like just he's a really good girl dad yeah. for sure. Yeah. Do you have siblings? Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't. I don't think so. No, <laughs> my How dad you, hates when I say that. But I'm like, it's not even just you. I don't know. It's possible. People are people. People who the find shit out when they're forty, and that's they're what like, I'm what saying. The fuck? It's happened to us, our family. So I'm like, who knows? You might not even know. There was a life before me, so I can't be sure of anything. That's facts. How do you feel about being an only child? And do you feel like if you want to get married and have kids, do you feel like you want like the opposite of what you had, like big family, all of those things? 
or do you feel like being an only child was a good thing for you? How do you reflect on your experience? I go back and forth. Um, when I was younger, I was like, I want one. Then I want, I don't want one. And then I was like, I do. And then as I got older, I really wanted a sibling. And I think even now more so into adulthood and all of the loss I've experienced, I absolutely wish I had someone with the same experience as me. Totally. Um, I would have loved to have nieces and nephews. I would have loved to not have the pressure of me procreating to continue my family name (laughs) like I would have yeah I would have loved that um and I always thought I would have kids I thought I would be married by now and now I the closer I get to it and I'm scared I don't I don't know I would like to get married I would like to have a partner and I don't know I go back and forth like on one hand I'm like I'd like to experience motherhood does that mean I would adopt? I would love to adopt. Yeah. Um, I'd love to have my own kid. But then I'm like, this world is really terrifying. It's really and scary. not only is it terrifying, not only have we abused it to the point that it's falling apart, but I don't know that I have certain tools I know. To, to provide a child with what they need. Like even down to, I think about like parent teacher meetings. I'm like, I don't want to deal with these people. Know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to deal with my kid seeing something on TV, doing things that kids do, <laughs> saying things wrong. And then I have to go apologize to somebody's parent. I don't want to do all of that. I know. That stresses me out. These days are out of their minds. I have a 16 year old who's one of, a very good friend of mine. She's a family friend and she is absolutely out of her mind. The things that I see her doing, I'm like, what the fuck? And then I feel like I'm corrupting her because I hang out with her and she's like doing things that I don't even do. <laughs> right. And I'm like, what am I doing? And then I'm like, I can't have a kid. No, literally. Like, I just can't do it. I was walking down the street the other day <laughs> with my best friend and I was like, I feel like I'm 17 until I see a 17 year old. And then I'm like, so never well mind. Said. Never so mind. Well said. It's, it's terrifying. But then I'm like, I want to have tons of kids and I want to give, like, I want to have what I never had and like have like, Sunday dinners and Friday dinners and do all the drop-offs and the sports and the plays like all of that sounds so exciting to me but then I'm like I'm so fucked in the head that I feel like I'm just gonna fuck a kid up (laughs) what are we gonna do with you this is why we keep repeating cycles because we all are struggling and I think that's kind of going back to what you said like I don't think we're ever gonna cure it I think if we find ways to live with it then at least it's a little bit safer to start bringing more people into this world but I think until we make some progress it's a little yeah that was really that was a really real sentiment that hit me yeah i think that's really what it goes down to until i feel like i have truly healed and that i feel like you know you deal with it like it feels there's a there's a certain irrational part of your brain that's like my mom chose a substance over me Mm -hmm. and i you know it and you say it and you know better but there's still that inner child that's like I wasn't enough for her and if I wasn't enough for her I'm not enough for anybody or anything like that's my thing that's where I start to spiral and so I don't want to do anything with that until I'm in the place where I'm like no I am yeah 100% enough 100% so Women with Voices also focuses on sexual education and liberation can you tell me a little bit about the work you do in that space and mm-hmm. why it's important to you specifically yeah again these are my chosen initiatives because of my experiences and from a young age i was super developed very soon i looked a lot older my body was giving voluptuous (laughs) very young (laughs) and so 
I was dealing with things that other girls my age weren't dealing with. Mm -hmm. And as I got older, I kind of was like, why am I responsible for how everyone else is being a weirdo? You're being a creep. Why is that my problem? Why do I need to cover up? Right. Like, why do I need to cover up? Why do I need to do certain things? Why, you know, navigating those things. And then I was having ovarian cysts. And so I was put on birth control. I wasn't out here having sex like that, but that assumption comes with it, right? Of course. And so later, um, right around the time my mom passed, actually, I was accepted into a program. It was called High Tops. And basically what it was, was local teens from different high schools Mm -hmm. were teaching other like juvenile detention centers, like younger kids, people from different backgrounds um, about sexual health and wellness and about the LGBTQ at the time, now um, I community. That was really a turning point for me because I was learning things about my body that people didn't want to talk about and no one wanted to have conversations with about dynamics between relationships, between queer relationships. um, For sure. We were talking about trans back then. Yeah, that was a different time. It was such a powerful thing for me to do that I was like, I have to carry this on into adulthood. And then obviously I went into Playboy. I was the last Playmate of the year. And I never looked at it like a sexual thing. I never looked at it like, oh, this is for the men. Like to me, it was for the girls. Yeah, it was for you. It was for all the, the people that were like, black women are not beautiful or that made us feel like we were less than it was for all the girls that ever felt like they couldn't be liberated in their body and that we couldn't be sexy beautiful and vulnerable and still be respectful businesswomen I think that's bullshit so I think for me it's always been about education and what our bodies are doing and what we might not do and what might affect our hormones and this that and the third and it's the sex part of it it's do we want to engage? I was celibate yeah. for a year, so I might look some certain way, but that doesn't mean that that's all going on. So it's really about changing the view of women being multidimensional and yeah. being sexual in that and being liberated. A hundred percent. Yeah. Being able to be in touch with your sexuality and be however you want to be on the surface and then also being able to be a powerful businesswoman at the same time. 100%. All of those kinds of things are so important. 100%. And, and dealing with the reactions not everybody understands that i just think in general like being a woman even being comfortable to talk about sex like for me i don't like to talk about sex but i think if i did want to talk about it and i wanted to share it there's the fear of being judged for it and the fear of people thinking that i'm promiscuous or slutty or this or that and it's just you can't win there's no winning because even when you do feel safe enough to have those conversations you then anytime you say something remotely contradictory to that you can't have both and it's like actually both things can be true like in this moment in the same space exactly and that was something that happened on the show really i have different relationships with different people certain things can be said and joked about with certain people and others, I have to set a boundary. And either way, those boundaries have to be set and respected. Mm-hmm. And there's almost like this weird thing that's like, oh, well, it's one for all. If if somebody is allowed to say this, then that means he can treat. And it's like, actually, no, mm-hmm. I am in charge. Absolutely. Do you find that it was hard to set boundaries in that space? Or do you feel like you were comfortable to do so? I'm always comfortable to tell you what time it is. However, (laughs) however, it did get to a point where it was like, 
okay, I'm, enough is enough. And now you've got me completely fucked up. Yeah. So what are we going to do? For sure. Growing up, you know, you lost your mom at 17. Mm-hmm. Did you have these conversations about sex and sexual liberation and sexual education? Like what was sex taboo for you and your dad? Is that like, what is your guys's dynamic? Yeah. My mom was like super prude and was not with having conversations. I, in fact, I had more conversations with my grandmother about them, but even then, like, no, you know what I mean? Like, not really, and my dad was on the other side of the spectrum where he was like, I want you to have the experience, I want you to live life, but it was like, we don't need to talk about this. Like, we don't need to talk about this. And he's very open and he'll say like things, and I'm like, please don't like (laughs) just please don't um so yeah I didn't really have those conversations with my parents it was really when I went into research or books or conversations amongst friends or when I went into the high tops program it wasn't until then that I really was understanding what a sexual relationship even is like of course we understand the physical act right but, but there's the, so much more to it. The emotional, the physical repercussions of it. Mm-hmm. No, I never really talked about. Yeah. So back to what you said before, you said you modeled for Playboy in the past, which was in 2019. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that was a form of sexual liberation for you? 100%. 100%. And it wasn't, again, in the sexual pleasure way. Like, right. sure, that's like a part it wasn't of it. For the boys. It really wasn't. Like, I was like, listen, I am 26. These titties are going to be hanging at some point. So I may as well just be embracing where I am in this life at this moment as I live and breathe. And in that moment, I felt free enough. I've always been, I went to boarding school. I was always the one that was naked running around because I just, that was freedom to me. Um, even my aunt and uncle joke around, I'm the same little girl that was in her bikini all the time because that's just, what do we care? Um, it's just my body and I'm okay with my body. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything. So I was like, sure, yeah. why not? Good for you. Yeah. So you touched on the fact that you're celibate or were celibate. Mm-hmm. Can you share a little bit about what led you to that decision? Yeah, I felt like I kept getting myself into these situationships. Because, you know, of the issues we were talking about before where it's like, I'm not enough. So that's lended itself to me as commitment issues. Not in that I'm out here cheating and whatever, not like that. It's like, I don't want to lose my freedom or give you the opportunity to hook me in just to leave. But at the same time, I'm like, but I want the benefits and the connection of a relationship. But I don't you don't want, want like, it to be beyond. It's the a weird dichotomy of yeah mm-hmm. um and so I kept going after men who were emotionally unavailable or not available and so the last one got me because we were very close friends yeah. and so there was a trust there and so I felt okay this is safe he'd been pursuing me pursuing me pursuing me and I was like all right like whatever I felt in control right that was an illusion right. then I got too deep and then I'm like oop, this yeah. is not gonna work and I was like you know what let me take this part of the relationship, the sex part out for a second, because I feel like that's where I get lost. Right. I don't think I'm a casual sex girl. And so I think I needed that time to see where I was at. Totally. Yeah. So are you currently in a relationship? No, I'm not dating. I'm just 
alive. You're just doing, yeah. <laughs> I'm just here. I support that, honestly. Have you, you know, throughout this time of celibacy, have you been dating at all? And if you've gone on dates, how has, like, the conversation around that been? And what what does it look like? I went on a few dates with one person, but I've known him forever. So mm-hmm. it's like, this doesn't even count. I haven't gone on any new dates. I, I It's something I've told myself next year I'm going to work on. I'm not ready to do it this year, but come 2024, I'm going to work on putting myself out there because I genuinely do not enjoy it. I am not one of those girls that's like, is hard. I'm like, <laughs> I'd rather sit here and guarantee myself having a good night by watching the summer I turn pretty, whatever I'm watching <laughs> that I'm like, this is more entertaining. At least I'm guaranteed that I don't like going outside, getting ready and doing the zhuzh mm-hmm. and like free meal. Yeah. Amazing. But like I can pay for my food. Like I, this is not enough. No, I totally hear you. Yeah. And there's nothing worse than like the awkward, no. like the formalities of a bad day too. I hate it. And it's Oof. like, I enjoy my own company. For sure. I enjoy my little time. That's the so best So I'm like, I don't even though. know that I need to go see you, but I'm, I've become too comfortable. That's fair. I will say dating is just, you're just putting yourself out there constantly and like one in five might be a good date. And yeah. It's just, and it's a good muscle to flex. Totally. I don't want to like not... You have to acknowledge that you have to and you have to, you know, get in shape just like with anything else. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to go to the gym. Just like I don't want to go to the gym in real life. So (laughs) it's a good analogy. Like going to the gym. (laughs) It is. (laughs) It's like, okay, I got to if I want these abs or if I want these arms. Literally. Besides running your nonprofit and being on Summer House, you're also a model and a DJ. Can we talk a little bit about the DJ? Yeah. When did you get into that and how? So I actually started, well, I was first DJed in high school. My boyfriend at the time was a DJ. And so whenever we'd have like a school dance and he'd be DJing, I would like get up and he'd show me some things. And then I didn't do anything until Playboy happened. I was hosting a bunch of parties and I was like, I'm not that host that's like going to sit and be like, hey guys, and like sit down. I'm like interacting with the crowd. I'm like microphone, like champagne showers, like the whole thing. And I was like, oh, how do I elevate this experience? Like, I want to take it a step further. I want to hear this song when I'm trying to do this or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take it up again. And I studied music in college, too. So it was pretty, you know, a clear synergy. So I was like, you know, let me let me start. So that was 2019 as well. And my first gig was All Star Weekend. That's it. Yeah. So it was February. And then two weeks later, COVID was rampant. And then my friend who had been teaching me how to DJ died that summer. So so that really was like, ooh, I don't like this. Things aren't even 100% again. Like I don't feel like being happy in a weird way. So I took a break. And then over the last year or so, I was like, you know what? Let me tap back in. Yeah. Yeah. It's been good. Yeah. Okay, so what have you been up to and what is there to look forward to for people listening and your fans as well? Well, 
I am working on some swimsuits. Really? Yes. That's exciting. I love swimwear. Always have. You know, some people love bags. I mean, I love shoes too. Yeah. Some people love shoes, but my bathing suit collection is out of control. Yeah. And somehow I feel like I still don't find exactly what I want. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, let me make what I want. Let me just do it myself. Yeah. So yeah. that's definitely going to come out. Um, I am obsessed with potatoes. Wait, I did see this on your Instagram and I wanted to ask you a little bit more about it. You know, (laughs) I blame my mom. Apparently steak and potatoes were my mom's favorite food. Really? Yep. So, or she ate them a lot when she was pregnant with me. And I think that's why I am the way that I am. That's why you love potatoes. So now (laughs) I have some shirts that are coming out called tater tops. Oh, that's a vibe. And then is there anything in the Bravo verse that you have going on that you're able to share? Yes. Well, I'll be going to BravoCon. It'll be my first one. Are you excited? I am excited. What what does it entail as like a person? Honestly, I don't know. I'm just showing up. (laughs) They told me when to be there and I'll see for myself. I'm not sure what to expect. I feel like zero expectations is better than every time you can't be disappointed only surprised Mm -hmm. so I'm excited to be giving these looks though that I know for a fact I'll be serving some looks oh yeah so be looking out for that I'm excited and I'll also be on another show that you can see me on that is so exciting (laughs) so is the cast super different than oh everybody's different everybody's from different places yeah so crazy so it's I really need to tap more into it do a couple episodes. I mean, I'm definitely going to be binging Martha's Vineyard Yes, now, you must. And then when this one comes out, you must. I Because it's completely different. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious excited. to see what it comes what the out. the reaction is going to be. Because <laughs> I don't even know. I'm like, what, what are y'all going to put in there? Because you had a lot of material. <laughs> okay, and then my last question about Bravo. What was the reaction from your dad when you went on Summer House? He said that you are you he was like it's definitely you yeah and he said it was definitely weird for him to see me because he he knows me in a certain way so he doesn't see me with my friends without him there yeah um and he's like it's still you but it's funny and he's like you're very much your mother's child and but some of the parts were obviously awkward for him right of yeah. course so As he's it would like be for yeah, that part's weird but <laughs> he was like it's it's cool i love that yeah okay now at the end of every episode mm-hmm. i do i do this thing called alps three i love music i used okay. to work in the music industry and i like bringing music into my podcast okay. a little bit so i have my guests typically pick three songs that you know kind of fits the theme of the episode and blends well with what we talked about so what are three songs that remind you of your first two weeks at summer house whoa okay i mean i'm always gonna put back that ass up in everything so definitely gotta put back that ass up i love that uh my happy song is this must be the place and i played it the anytime we could actually play music i played that and there's actually a seed where we're in the hot tub and you could hear me like singing it that (laughs) cracks me up so i'm gonna say this must be the place by the talking heads i love that song and I don't know. I don't. My spirit is saying the used because there's a line he says where it's like, I don't remember what song it is, but he's like, I'm about to see a million things that, that I thought I'd never see before. And I'm about to do a million things that um, that I, I've only dreamed of. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't know, I felt like there was a moment where I was there where I was like, ooh, it was such a fuck you to everybody yeah. that, yeah, I it'd have to that. be that. I need to listen to that. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for and having me. You are me. amazing. I can't wait to see what you do. I can't wait to see your bathing suits. I can't wait for a tater top. I'm, I'm sending you everything. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm very happy for you. And you are lovely. You're beautiful. Oh my and gosh, you are thank amazing. Thank you so much. So thank, you. thank you. And to all my listeners, thank you so much for listening. We will see you all again next week on Trying to Figure It Out. We are still in New York taping and getting some episodes from a new location. And I love you all. And I'll see you next week. Bye.